well to the abused. The goal of this training is to equip TBC leaders and members to respond well in the initial stages of learning about instances of abuse. The training will consist of watching online videos and coming together for a time of group discussion. Meetings will take place here at the church on four Sunday nights in January and February, beginning Sunday, 20, Sunday January 21st at 6 p.m. If you would like to participate in this training or have any questions, please contact the, the Women Shepherds or one of the elders. Thank you. Maybe if I turn it on, it works. Good morning. Before our song of preparation, let's let's pray for you. Father God, we come to you as humbly as we know how and ask for you, oh God, to fill our worship with grace, Lord Jesus Christ, that every thought, every word, and every deed may be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Now, for our song of preparation, this song is called Anthem, and it says, Hallelujah, you have won the victory. Amen. have one. 
Well, good morning, TVC Saints and guests. Will you please stand for uh, the call to worship? It's taken from Psalm 47, verses 1 and 2, and also verses 5 and 6. I will begin. Will you please respond where it says, uh, people and all. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. God has gone up with a shout, the Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to God, sing praises, sing praises to our King, sing praises. Let us continue to worship our God and King. Now this is a medley of songs that I know you all know, so don't be afraid to sing it with us, okay? Water you turned into wine. Open the eyes of the blind. Open the eyes of the blind. There's no one like you. None like you. None like you. Into the darkness. Into the darkness you shine. Y'all sound good. Out of the ashes. Out of the ashes we rise. There's no one. Great. 
He really is a great God, isn't he? Let's go to our God in prayer. Oh, Lord God, you are a great God. And we come before you in this place with shouts of praise and voices of praise. We bless you, oh, Lord. All that is in us. We bless your holy name. We bless you, O Lord, and forget none of your benefits. You who hardens all our iniquities, who heals our diseases, who redeems us from our life from the pit, who crowns us with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies our years with good things so that our youth is renewed like the eagle. You, O Lord, perform righteous deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed. You are compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. You will not always strive with us, nor will you keep your anger forever. You have not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is your loving kindness toward those who fear you. As far as the east is from the west, so far have you removed our transgressions from us. Just as a father who has compassion on his children, you have compassion on those who fear you. But we are mindful that we are but dust. Our days are like grass. But your loving kindness is everlasting to everlasting on those who fear you. And your righteousness to children's children, to those who keep your covenant and remember your precepts to do them. You've established your throne in the heavens and your sovereignty rules over us all. We bless you, O Lord. All that is within us, we bless your holy name. In the name of Jesus, amen. Our confession of faith comes from the Apostles' Creed. I will ask the question and then we will all answer together. Do you believe in God the Father? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Let's go into just a 
brief time of confession of sin to our Father silently, a time of repentance where we confess to Him our sins. our salvation for the glory of your name deliver us and forgive us our sins for your name's sake
Thanks, Marcus. Um, if you guys could join me in standing as we read God's Word. Um, we're going to be reading today from Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 8, and then verses 16 through 18. So y'all can join with me as we read along Matthew chapter 6. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they can be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. And then verse 16. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting can be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. Um, You can be seated. And please join me in a prayer of supplication. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that we can come to you, that we can come before your throne as a body here at Village Church and bring you our requests. God, you see what's in secret. You hear our every thought. You know our every thought. You know what's in our head and in our hearts. And so we bring them before you, um, knowing that you care and knowing that you see it all. Uh, God, I bring before you today those who are hurting, who are facing chronic pain, um, chronic medical conditions that even doctors don't understand, um, just the unknowns. God, I just pray that you would be their guide this year, that you would guide them uh, through their medical conditions, through the hurts and through the pains, and whatever may be going on. God, you see it all, and you care, and you know. Thank you for this church body. Thank you for the staff that serves us. I ask your healing upon Cynthia, who's faced a lot of um, hard things these past few weeks. I ask that you would bring her to full healing and bring her back to us. God, thank you for all she does behind the scenes to serve this church family. Um, And Lord, I just pray that as we go into a new year, that you would unite us as one in your spirit. I just pray all these things in your name. Amen.
recently uh, purchased a small uh, black uh, leather journal to use in uh, this new year. Now, something interesting was discovered while I was writing in my brand new journal on the 3rd of this month. It has an inspirational quote engraven on the back. And I want each of you to write this quote down or put it into your smartphone so I give you a chance to Pull out your pen or your pencil or your tablet or your smartphone. And here's the quote. If you don't write it down, I can I can send it out later through email, flock notes. 
It doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to start. It doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to start. This quote is, is going to be my personal and family motto for the year. And, and I also want it to be the motto as we begin our 25 days of, of prayer and fasting. And I also want it to be our motto as we begin a new sermon series on this first Sunday of 2024. And this sermon series will cover Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 18. Now, we're not going to go through all 18 verses today. But today's text is verses uh, 1 through 6 and verses 16 through 18. The title is Piety That Works. Piety That Works. And here's the big idea. Piety that works isn't done for the praise of other people. Piety that works is not done for the praise of other people. Join me in asking the Holy Spirit to bless the preaching of the Word. Holy Spirit, it's a new year, but you're still you. And you don't ever change. And so if you don't move, Hearts are not changed. Folks are not brought into the kingdom. Folks are not healed. And so, Holy Spirit, I I ask that you will continue to move in and through us, that you will use the the preached word and, and give encouragement where encouragement is needed. Give hope where hope is needed. Give assurance where assurance is needed. Give conviction where conviction is needed. Give a rebuking where where rebuking is needed, Holy Spirit. You know us better than we know ourselves. And because of you, you live in us as, as as a deposit that guarantees our inheritance. You are the one who leads us into all truth. You are the one who helps us understand the truth and also to apply the truth to our life. So I pray, Holy Spirit, that for this time that you would take control over our thoughts, over our emotions, and and let each of us receive what we need to receive from the word today. It's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. I came uh, uh, across an illustration uh, that says uh, that a story is told of, of a zoo that was noted for that great collection of different animals. One day, the the gorilla died. And to keep up uh, the appearance of a full range of animals, the zookeeper hired a man to wear a gorilla suit to fill in for the dead animal. It was his first day on the job. And the man didn't know how to act like a gorilla very well. So he tried to move convincingly, and he got too close to one of the walls and of the enclosure, and he tripped, and then he fell into the, the lion exhibit. He began to scream, convinced his life was over, until the lion spoke to him. Be quiet. You're going to get both of us fired. So... What's happening? Two people 
pretending to be something they're not. A gorilla and a lion. Externally, they look like animals. But internally, inside of those suits, they're just humans. They're actors hired by the zookeeper to perform and act like animals. You see, this story illustrates how the Greek term that's translated hypocrite is used in Matthew chapter 6. It's used very differently from how it's used today in our culture. Who comes to mind when you think of the word hypocrite? It's the congregation participation time. Myself. Politicians. Pastors, right? Who comes to mind? What makes a person a hypocrite? That's one thing does another. One seminary professor said, writes, doubleness is a good way to describe hypocrisy in Matthew. But it's doubleness of actions and in a person or heart, not words and actions. Notice what he says there. It's doubleness of actions and what's going on inside your heart, not simply words and actions. This understanding of hypocrisy is a temptation that every Christian will face at some point in this new year. We will. And a Christian is a person who has faith in Jesus Christ. And this saving faith is a, this, this faith is a saving grace where, whereby we receive and rest upon and trust Jesus alone for salvation as he is offered to us in the gospel. And in the gospel, he's offered to us as the way, the truth, and the what? The life. He's offered to us as the only name under heaven given by which sinners might be saved. Amen? He's offered to us as the only one who can give us everlasting life, life more abundantly. Jesus is offered as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world through his life, through his death, through his resurrection. And in Matthew 4, he's offered to us, he's offered as a preacher who preaches, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So do you know him? Do you have saving faith in Jesus? If not, you can start the new year out differently. You can come to him. You can surrender your life to him. You can confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and Savior. And then you can repent of your sins. And he will receive you. And if you have already done that, if you already have saving faith in Jesus, then you can believe he'll carry you throughout this new year. All right, come on now. Is that an amen statement or is that a lie? He will carry you through the ups and downs, through the positive and negative experiences, through your disappointments and your successes, through your laughter, through your tears, through the joys and through the pains. You're going to experience all those things this year, but he will carry you through them. He will even carry you when you face the temptation of hypocrisy as it's understood in Matthew 6. This year, all of us will have doubleness of action and interpersonal heart when it comes to personal piety. We will sometimes give in to the temptation 
to practice personal piety for the praise of other people. We will do it. But do y'all believe that? Jesus believes it. He, he knows it to be true. So he warns us, and, and it's the same warning that he, he gives the original 12 disciples in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. Jesus calls us and them to pay close attention to our motives when we practice personal piety. Look at verse 1. He says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. The message Bible says be, be especially careful when you're trying to do good so that you don't make a performance out of it. It might be good theater, but the God who made you does not applaud. You see, personal piety that works isn't done for the praise of, of other people. It's not done for, you know, self-glory and honor. It's not done for the applause of, of the masses. It's not done for social media likes and reposts. It's not done to build our own platform or influence or brand. Piety that works isn't hypocritical. It's not doubleness of action and heart. Jesus wants our practice a personal piety to look like Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16. Who knows what Jesus says in those three verses? It's in the Sermon on the Mount. This whole section is part of the Sermon on the Mount, one big sermon. What does he say in those verses? He says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all that's in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. Why? So that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Amen? Personal piety that works is done for one purpose. So that our Father who is in heaven gets all the credit, all the glory, not us. So when you think about your personal piety, you have an audience of one. Not an audience of, of many followers on your, on your Facebook friends or your Instagram account. You have an audience of one, the Father. All Christians can, can let their light shine for the Father's glory through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives in them supernaturally. You have the power already living in you to help you practice personal piety in such a way that God gets all the credit, all the honor, all the glory. Now, what are some examples of personal piety? Jesus highlights three in today's text. And one pastor says in Jesus' day that there were three signs of piety. Three tokens of religious de devotion. Gifts to the poor, prayer, and fasting. Gifts to the poor, prayer, and fasting. Jesus teaches his followers to practice charity, prayer, and fasting in a way that differs from how the hypocrites practice them. 
You see, hypocrites, they, they will advertise their charity within the religious community in the world for one purpose, in order to be praised by other people. The crowd is their audience. They want the crowd to, to like and reshare those Facebook posts. Their practice of charity is more of a performance and a, and a production. TVC Kids and Youth, quick question. What are some common, what are some common um, school band instruments? Trumpet. Man, you already got that right. Trumpet is one of them. Did you know that trumpets are mentioned throughout the Bible in both the Old Testament and New Testament? Did you know there's even a Jewish feast called the Feast of Trumpets? Did you know that? In the Bible, the sounding of trumpets, the sounding of a trumpet is a call to action. And so, and figuratively, to sound the trumpet while practicing um, charity is calling other people to praise you. So figuratively, to sound the trumpet while you're practicing charity is calling other people to praise you and not God. This is what the hypocrites do. That's their, their motivation for charity. And Jesus expects his people to believe and, and live differently. He, he commands us to think and to function differently. He doesn't want us to, to live like hypocrites with unrepentant hearts. So whenever we practice charity, don't sound the trumpet before us like the hypocrites. There's no need to publicize your charity with fanfare. There's no need to make a spectacle of serving at the manor house or volunteering at Little Link or Lincoln being a tutor at Lincoln Village at Lincoln Academy. There's no need to take a selfie when you're helping a person stuck in homelessness. Look at me. I'm giving someone food. No need to let everyone know how much of your time and talents and treasure you expect to give away this year. For charity that works is done so that God the Father gets all the credit. All the time. Because we do it as an overflow. We let in our light shine so that people can see our good works and glorify God. Have you ever thought about this? Your personal piety is evangelism. Think about it that way. It's evangelism. Your charity is another way for you to lead people and point people to Jesus. And not yourself. So in other words, think about it this way. The moon does not have a light of its own. You're doing that right. So what light does the moon reflect? The sun. We are the moon. Jesus is the sun. So when we're letting our light shine, it ain't even our light. It's Jesus' light. Because he's the sun and we're the moon. Do you have a COA in your friend group? COA in your friend group. Small group, family, your sports team, your club. Your church. Are you a COA? See, a COA, they can get on your nerves. They can suck the life out of, of gathering. They're like fingernails on a chalkboard. So what's a COA? It stands for center of attention. Center of attention. 
Hypocrites can be COAs when, when practicing prayer in, in public. Jesus says, for, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners for one purpose, so that they may be seen by other people. See, to be seen while praying in public, it communicates more than just people seeing the hypocrites pray. See, hypocrites, they make a public appearance. So others can see them shining while praying. So they, it's like, a, again, they're performing. Okay. It's a performance for them. The public prayer is a performance for them, and they love to be the center of attention. But Jesus instructs his followers, us, those who have faith in him, to avoid praying like the hypocrites who perform their religious devotion, do devotional duties to be seen by other people. We are not to be COAs whenever we pray in public. Nor are we to be COAs when it comes to fasting. Jesus tells us that the hypocrites, they, they go out of their way to make sure people know that they are fasting. They go out of their way. I mean, they go over the top. They make sure people can see that they're fasting. Look at verse 16. He says, when you fast, do not look gloomy. Like the hypocrites, don't disfigure your face that people would know that you are fasting. So when they're doing that, they're they calling attention to themselves, which take away the whole purpose and heart of a fast. The purpose of a fast is to, to draw you closer to God for your dependency upon God. So it's really, it's the fast between you and God. It's not a performance. It's not a production. So people can see how spiritual we are. And Jesus says of these hypocrites, truly I say to you, they have received their reward. He says that three times in our text. The applause is their reward because that's what they want. The issue with the, with the hypocrites is a motivation of heart. Their righteous acts, which are all good things, don't can't coexist with the impure motives. I know you're asking, can we ever have can we ever have 100% pure motives? I think the Spirit can lead us to do things out of good motives. The Spirit lives in us. Jesus wants our practice of charity, prayer, and fasting to flow from humble hearts. Humble hearts. You don't have to be perfect to have a humble, teachable, gracious, generous heart. You don't have to be. To be selfless in the things that we do. All that comes from the Holy Spirit moving and leading and guiding and growing us. A humble heart is a heart that wants God to get all the credit and the honor and the praise that comes from the way that we live our life as Christians from the way that we're parent, from the way that we are as spouses, from the way that we do life as Christians. We want God to get all the credit because it's his doing. And Christians can function this way through the power of the Spirit. Don't lose sight of that. But that's, the main, that's one of the things of working through the sermon because you can leave this, leave this like Pastor Adam gave me more stuff to do. Sometimes the one thing you need to do is confess and repent and ask the Spirit for strength. 
Confess, repent, and ask the Spirit for strength. In Christ, we can practice personal piety in a way that leads to a more meaningful and authentic spiritual life. Do you believe that? A more meaningful and authentic spiritual life. The Spirit in Christ can do that in us this year. So in verses 3 and 4, Jesus gives his disciples you know, you know, the opposite of what he of what the hypocrites do when it comes to prayer. He says, whenever you practice charity, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So that your giving may be in secret. In verse 6, it says, but when you pray, go into your room and shut your door and pray to your father who is in secret. And in verses 17 and 18, it says, but whenever you fast, anoint your head, wash your face. Basically saying, groom yourself, people. Throughout this 25 days of prayer, groom yourself. The world doesn't even know you're fasting. But your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in heaven. These words and these verses are, are more descriptive from Jesus, more than prescriptive. So he calls us to, to practice charity and prayer and fasting in secret. What does he mean by secret? What does he mean by secret? Secret is in contrast to the public display of the hypocrites who perform and produce for praises of other people. Secret is about the internal, not the external. Now, is Jesus prohibiting us from any public display of charity, prayer, and fasting? Can we read this and say, well, I can't ever pray in public. Well, I can't ever let people see me put money in the offering plate. I can't ever let people see me volunteer. No, Jesus is concerned it's for the motive of our heart. The reason that we're giving. The reason why we're praying. The reason why we're fasting. It's all about the intentions and our motivations. That's what he's asking for. He wants it to be an overflow of a heart that loves God more than it loves the praise of man. Who do, what do you love more? The father who sent his son or the praises of other people who is just messed up as you are? What do we want more? But now, what happens when we do function like hypocrites this year? when we do practice charity and prayer and fasting for the praise of other people. Because it's going to happen. I hope you realize, every time I stand up here, you think it's always per motive? No, sometimes it's like, I want, I want to make sure I preach in such a way that people say, good job, pastor. But we all struggle with that. And so when you struggle with it, what should we do with that? Well, Rome, well, well, I can tell you this. First John 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So what do you do? Repent and move on with your year. Repent and move on with your year. Forget what lies behind, move on to what lies ahead. 
So whenever the Spirit convicts you of, of functioning and living like a hypocrite, let that conviction lead you to repentance and not condemnation. Because you're the only one surprised by it. The Father already knows. Jesus already knows that this year, at some point, you're going to practice charity so people will say, good job. And when it happens, they repent. And sometimes the conviction may come through the words of a brother and sister. Just saying. Just saying. Ask the Spirit to change the motives of your heart. I hope you realize throughout the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus deals more with the heart of the law than just with the performance of it. So you got to look and you got to see all of Romans 6, Matthew 6 in the context of the whole sermon. It's the heart stuff. And one thing we got to realize, I don't care how many checklists you come up with, you ain't ever can change your own heart. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. The third person within the Godhead. And all we can do is ask for help. Help my, un- I believe, but help my unbelief. Ask him to help you remember who God is. He's your father. Did you notice that four times in our passage today, Jesus calls God our father who is in heaven? Is that an accident? Or is it intentional? It's intentional. It's relational. It's personal. It's intimate. We don't have, as Christians, we don't have to practice personal piety in order to get praise and approval from other people. Why? Because in Christ, we already have the approval of the one who really matters. He calls us beloved. Beloved son, beloved daughter of a beloved father. You already have the acceptance, the approval, the love, all the Facebook likes you can ever get from God. What else can man give you? He gave his only son for you. What what can man give you? What else can they give you? Nothing. So for some of us this year, our prayer is, help me believe I am who I belong to. I am my beloved, and my beloved is mine. Some of us need to pray that prayer. Jesus said, your father who sees in secret will reward you. What's the reward? One commentator said, it's a way of saying that in the end, justice will be done. In the Old Testament, who does God say his, his treasure is? Who is his treasure in the Old Testament? Israel. And so if his people is his treasure, what do you think is our treasure? God. So the reward is who? It's God himself. It's God himself. And, get, and check this out. It's not a reward that, you can, that you're going to experience in the, in the life to come, 
It's a war that you get to taste and enjoy right now. Right now. You can experience it right now. Do Are you living your Christian life in such a way that you are experiencing God as Father? Or dictator, terminator, abuser, or is he a good, good father? He is a good, good father. And if we're struggling with that concept of father, guess what? The spirit can redeem it. There's hope for that. So we have to remember, as beloved sons and daughters, it, it should give us pleasure when we practice our personal piety in such a way that it honors and glorifies our Father. It should, it's that, that should bring us joy. To bring us joy. Remember what Jesus says back in Matthew 5. It says, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. I like hymns. I definitely like hymns that have not been put to music yet. And a couple of years ago, a friend of mine gave me a copy of the Gatsby Hymnal. And I love it. I just love the words and the depth of the words there. And sometimes I even use, use it for my devotional times. And so in hymn 505 says, Glory to God the Father's name, who from my sinful race chose out some to proclaim the honors of his praise. Glory to the Son be paid who dwelt in human humble clay. And to redeem us from the dead, gave his own life away. And glory to the Spirit give, from whose almighty power our souls their heavenly birth derive. And bless this happy hour. Glory to God that reigns above, the eternal three in one, who by the wonders of his love has made his nature let us pray. Glory to the Father. Glory to the Son. Glory to the Spirit. Glory to our internal three in one God. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your consistency. Thank you for your provisions. Thank you for your long-suffering and your patience. Thank you for watching over us and guiding us and shepherding us. Thank you that you would never forsake us and treat us as our sin deserved. But as far as the east, as far the, from the west, so far have you removed our transgressions from us. Thank you that we shall not want. Thank you that you do lead us in, into green pastures. Thank you that even though we walk through the valley of shadow of death, your rod and your staff are with us and comfort us. Thank you that what brought us through last year will bring us through this year. And that is our Trinitarian God is always faithful. 
all the time, 365 days a year. He's always home. Thank you, Father. In your son's name I pray. Saints, will you please stand as we close our service. join us for worship. Uh, also, I think Cynthia will be coming home this week, so continue to pray for her, and they are definitely missing. So pray that God will continue to provide healing over her, because she still has some recovering to do. Also, don't forget about the 25 days of prayer and fasting, and on Thursday, we will have corporate prayer here in the sanctuary, and the theme will be praise and thanksgiving. Now, here's God's benediction to his beloved. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and every way. And the Lord be with you all. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen. Please greet one another, saints.